Well, uh, well, I was. Many of you guys know that I have just finished uh, moving, and and as I have wrapped up my moving, I start unpacking stuff and and unpacking one thing after another after another. And, and I've kind of lived in this state of portable living for quite a while, where I have all of these. This it's just stuff that I collect in all these little places to kind of make life work for myself. And and the other, it was a, it was funny because a couple of weeks ago I started noticing we were running out of pins at the church again, and I couldn't believe that we were like, what if I? It's just one of those little administrative things. Like, where have all the pens gone? And and so I uh, I start unpacking stuff and I start piling pins after pin after pin, and I found I don't know how many City Life Center ink pens I found ended up in my office at the house, and I feel. Miserable. I feel terrible. I feel like a thief and a robber, and so I don't know what to do with them. But but Donna, I know you're kind of the keeper of of everything that's that is is uh, of. So, so, thank you, thank you very much. See, see, other people have stolen them too. I want to give them back to you. So Donna, I give them back to you. I publicly repent of stealing all the pins in the church. It was me. So now we don't have to order them for another week or so. <laughs> But it's good to see you guys this morning. Today I am continuing this series, wrapping up this little series called The Resistance. That's why we have the little swords back behind us and talking a little bit about fighting, talking about about being aggressive in our lifestyle of faith. And, and, And I want you to understand there is this force, there is this resistance that's working against you. And you try to move forward, you attempt to break a habit, you you keep moving, but there's this resistance that stops you. You find yourself stuck in this quagmire of emotions. You're up and you're down. You have thoughts and feelings and reasonings, and it keeps holding you back and frustrating you, keeping you disconnected from your destiny that God has for you. That's called the resistance. Uh, You know that the Bible says one thing, yet on the other hand, the daily life of culture says another thing and your relationships kind of disagree with what the Bible says and you kind of feel hopeless in the middle of all that, well, that's called the resistance. You know there's this greater destiny for yourself. You know that there's something more than just your career and, and, and you want this real spiritual substance to come out of your life and to do the things that God created you to do You can't just really step into it, though, and that's called the resistance that's holding you back. The resistance is real. The resistance is diabolical, and it's deadly, and the resistance is malicious, and it's also very disguised. Last week, we gave a definition for the resistance, and if you want to review what we talked about last week very quickly, we saw that the resistance is defined as this, the world, the flesh, and the devil, three words really important though that's how the resistance works against us the world is really the forces of our culture that are in opposition to God's word and we talked about how we resist the resistance in culture basically by refusing to be fused with the culture also refusing to be totally separate from the culture but to be engaged with the culture and that's actually how we resist that in our lives. And then there's the flesh, and the flesh is basically our desires. It's what I want. It's the pathways of, of discipline, though, that lead us 
uh, in the right direction and keeps us from going into that dark forest of our own desires. And we have these counter moves. Every time we want to do something, our flesh wants to do something, we have to have a counter move to move against it. So that's how we resist the flesh. And we also talked about the devil. And the devil is a very real force. And there are these forces of hell that work to twist and deceive and to oppose anything and everything that God is for. We resist that by simply standing firm on God's Word, the truth that's in the Bible. And when we do that, we're able to resist the devil. Now, the, the, for me, as just a guy who walks around on this earth just like you, the truth is that uh, the resistance, it affects me all the time. I'm constantly dealing with these ungodly elements of culture just like you do. I'm continually dealing with my flesh and what I want. I'm always struggling with the forces of hell that would try to oppose everything that God is for. And so I, as well, am always trying to resist the resistance. And resistance will hit me sometimes with just depressing thoughts and making me want to say things to myself that are far from reality. They're far from truth. And and the resistance will bring temptations that are part of of, of what the, the enemy wants to uh, wants me to give in to and attitudes and actions that may be approved by the culture, yet they're opposed by the scriptures and those temptations come. The resistance comes to make this make itself look very appealing to my flesh in every way so that I could very easily slip into this self focused existence where it's all about me. It's all about my rest, my pleasure, my stomach, my comfort, my cravings, me, 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 mine, mine, mine. I want, I want, I want now, now, now. It's actually a line from Hook right there in case you missed that. But the, the resistance, it, it works hard on me. It really does. And, and, and any time, I guess, I've noticed that the greatest with me is that anytime I have a victory, anytime there's just a high point for me, uh, there will be this spirit of discouragement that will come in very quickly afterward. And that's just the way I, I've kind of learned how the patterns work with me. And, and, and so I've, I've, I've come to notice that, that, that the enemy, this resistance will cause me to focus on anything and everything that did not go right. And, and I begin to, to look at anything that even has the most negative element to it or, or how even one critic would be able to thrust me into these thought processes of, of anger and exasperated frustration or even self-condemnation. And, and it's where I beat myself up for even the smallest flaws. I mean, that's absolutely ridiculous, but that's how the resistance works in my life. I, and I've recognized it, and I know the patterns. And, and, and it wants to hold you back and wants to hold me back from our destiny, and I simply don't want that. And so as your leader, I feel an obligation to share this with you. Now, you might say, Pastor Tim, I don't get it. I don't understand. Let's talk about the happy things. Let's talk about the good things. And, and this is happy. This is good because it's about your victory. It's about you taking these next steps forward. It's about you moving forward in your life. But uh, you, you, you might think, well, I don't know, Pastor Tim. I like the happy sermons. Well, here, please understand this. I am a minister of God's word, and I'm obligated by God to share with you as a pastor and as a teacher and as a spiritual leader, I have to share with you the entire Word of God so that you can be strong and vibrant and faith-filled so that you can overflow with the life of God and the Spirit of God. What I'm teaching you basically comes back to 2 Corinthians 2.11. And, and it's this, we, we teach this because we don't want the enemy to outwit us so that we're not unaware 
of the schemes of hell against us. We, I don't want to be unaware of Satan's schemes. And so what we're doing in this series of messages, we are blowing the enemy's cover. We're exposing his schemes. I, I honestly believe that the reason many families and individuals face continual cycles of challenge is because they're simply not aware of these schemes that are being used against them. For example, fraud schemes in the U.S. They, they steal people's money, right? And, and th- those are out there. They're out there all the time. And, and there are these, if you're though even educated on a fundamental level on what fraud schemes look like, you know what they are, so when you see something that smells fishy of a fraud scheme, you back off. You protect yourself from it. So you have just a little bit of wisdom, a little bit of knowledge that prevents you from getting robbed. Another example of how this works is there are schemes of warfare against our nation. And so therefore, we have this thing called military intelligence. The military intelligence, they go to determine what the schemes are against our nation so that the enemy cannot outwit us. And I would say that's a good thing, right? And, and, and so we, we use sometimes this terminology that makes us feel good, but it's not completely effective at exposing the schemes of the resistance. And so that's what I'm here to do. It's like a football team. They, they will spend hours watching videos. You, you might think that all a football team does is go out on the field and practice. No, they actually spend hours watching videos of the other team. Why do they do this? They do this before they head onto the field so that they can know the schemes and the practices and the strategies of the other guys. So I want us to understand the adversary's strategy against us because he wants to keep us out of our destiny. And and so we create these counter moves so that God can keep us in our destiny. And it really all comes down to this one scripture right here, James chapter 4, which says, Submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he's going to flee from you. You draw near to God, God draws near to you. This is the foundation of how we do this. It's, it's, uh, It's just simply moving nearer closer to God, resisting the resistance, being submissive to God, and things begin to pull together. And you're going to see that in, as I share with you the points today. And it's amazing. It's really simple. It's, it's quite, quite uh, beautiful as to how it works. It's basic, but we can't forget these basics because I'm here to tell you this, and, and it's truth, but attacks will come on your life. Some of you, you're in the middle of attacks. It's a given. But the Bible says that there's not one temptation that's going to overtake you. And that's what they do. These things like overtake us. And sometimes they surprise us, but they're common to other people, the Bible says. And God is faithful so that you're not going to be tempted beyond what you can bear. So that when you're tempted, he's actually going to be able to provide a method and a way that you can endure it and move through it. And the good news is that God's faithful, and he has a strategy for your victory. And so you just tune yourself into God, submit to him, and move close to him. In other words, you have to have the courage, the personal courage, to act on what you hear. And if you don't have that courage, nothing changes. I'll say it again. You have to have the courage to act on what you hear, or nothing changes. 
There's this Old Testament uh, character. His name is Pharaoh, and I'm going to be talking about him today. He's this king of ancient Egypt. The Bible lets us know this is Pharaoh Ramses. We know he's Ramses II, and, and he is this type of the resistance. And, and Egypt, where he ruled, was kind of this type of us bondage to the world, the flesh, and the devil. And so God raised up a man. God raised him up. His name was Moses. And, and Moses came to deliver God's people from the bondage that they lived under. Now, why? Why would this be the case? Well, it's simply because God gave Moses a dream, which is really his dream, a promise, a, a destiny that was far beyond Moses' ability to produce. And and this was God's vision for his people, that God's people would live in freedom. And God has a vision for you as well. And some of you know elements of that. And, and it's your destiny. It's your hope. It's this place of incredible effectiveness with purpose. So we pick up the story in Exodus chapter 3. And I want you to follow as I read from the message version. It says, God said, gather the leaders of Israel and tell them. God, the God of your fathers, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, appeared to me saying, I looked into what's being done to you in Egypt, and I've determined to get you out, in other words, set you free from the affliction of Egypt and take you to the land of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite, a land brimming over with milk and honey. God says, believe me, they will listen to you. Then you and the leaders of Israel will go to the king of Egypt, the Pharaoh, and say to him, God, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Now let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness where we will worship God, our God. So what do we learn from this? Well, there, there's a lot of things we actually learn from this. And one, it's, it's really cool. One is that God knows your pain. He sees your pain. And even now, he is creating a strategy to move you out of that into your destiny. He has a plan for you. He has a future for you. And that's quite extraordinary. And, and God gave Moses this, this picture, this plan, this, this image of what they needed to do and where they were going to need to go. But in order to get there, they had to have the strategy. So the first part of the strategy was he had to go and say, we're going to take this three-day journey. We're going to go into the wilderness, a three-day journey into the wilderness, and we're going to offer sacrifices, which was their first step toward freedom. And many of you have seen Moses movies. I, I like Moses movies. I, I think they're some of the coolest around. Uh, I've, I seem to watch the Ten Commandments all the time. That movie was made back in the 1950s, so it's an ancient, ancient movie, but I just love it. There, there, there's, there's so much in that movie that I adore, that I just love. I just drink it in and watch it for hours. The Prince of Egypt, that's another one. There, there are all these Moses movies. In fact, there's one coming out supposedly in December called Exodus gods and kings. Now, I just can't wait to see the next Moses movie. But, but the Moses story is a story of incredible conflict and victory. And, and as you know, because you've seen the movies and you've read the Bible, as Moses appeared before Pharaoh, the king, and, and Pharaoh resisted Moses multiple times. Now, Pharaoh is kind of like a picture of the resistance. This is an image of what we face. He resisted them time and, a time, and a, time and time again because he didn't want them to have the freedom that God had promised, just like the enemy doesn't want you to have the freedom that God has promised you. God has this desire for you, and it is your freedom. 
So it is in your life, in your family, in your business, in your city. God desires your freedom, just as we sang about a minute ago. He doesn't want you to stay chained down to your current reality, which is actually quite terrific, fantastic, wonderful news. But God has actually promised you this freedom for your future. And it doesn't mean that, well, okay, now that I have this freedom promised to me, then I can just go home and take a nap and then I'll just wake up into my new destiny. Because it didn't happen for Moses that way, nor does it happen for us. What we have to do, kind of like Moses, is walk through these layers of resistance. So let's take a look at it. In Exodus 3, verse 19, picking up the story, God says, I know that the king of Egypt won't let you go unless he is forced to. So God says, I'll intervene and hit Egypt where it hurts. Oh my, the miracles will send them reeling. After which, they'll be glad to send you off. I'll see to it that this people get a hearty send-off by the Egyptians. And when you leave, you won't leave empty-handed. Every woman will ask her neighbor and any guests in her house for objects of silver and gold, for jewelry and extra clothes. Women are going, yes, thank you, God. <laughs> and, you'll, and you'll put them on your sons and your daughters, and you are going to clean the Egyptians out. I think uh, for, for women, some women stand on that side. See, I know that that is God's word, that I'm supposed to have lots of jewelry and clothes and silver and gold and, and to put my children in it as well. So what you, you guys use that as you'd like, whatever. But, but the truth is, is that there will be resistance. But it also says here is that God is going to be victorious. And, and for some of you, there's this victory that you've even kind of imagined and you thought, I don't know if this is real. I don't know if this is just my imagination. But I'm just telling you, most likely it's been put there by God. So I encourage you just to keep moving forward into it. It's kind of like building a new church. I mean, I this, this whole project has been incredibly adventuresome. I, when we started, like 45 minutes away, and, and that, that would be on a nice day with no traffic, just driving in and back and forth every day and, and working the different jobs and, and, and trying, to, you know, trying to figure out how to run a ministry with, when you can't even pay the, the building payment. And you, we really we couldn't even pay the utilities. So how in the world do we do that? I don't know, but God just works miracles. And so... So we just kept moving forward, and then we hit more resistance. We found out there was all this back taxes that were stacked against us, and then facing physical stress and emotional stress. And, and then I find the statistic that 85 to 90% of downtown business district churches in large cities fail within the first two years. I mean, those are just terrible odds. That's what I'm looking at it going, okay, do really, really, come on, God. But you know that God has promised you victory, so you keep moving forward. It doesn't work just to lay at home and say, well, I'll just think about it or dream about that future. God brings victory after victory for his people because he wants to do that, and he does it through you. In fact, he's done it through you for what God's doing here in this church. So we're building a work that impacts culture, and we're bringing people into freedom that's causing us to grow in our own personal lives, and, and we have meaning and purpose, and that's what God wants because God will build his church, and the gates of hell are not going to stop the, 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 the growth of God's church. But there's this resistance, and there's this resistance for God's plan for you as well. And God, though, is going to be victorious. Don't you forget that. You might feel like a loser. You might feel like you can't overcome, but God can. The Bible says this. Jesus said these words. He says, I've told you. I've told you all of this 
so that trusting me, you're going to be unshakable and assured, deeply at peace. For in this godless world, you will continue to experience difficulties. But take heart, I have conquered the world Past tense. He's already conquered it. So in other words, God wins. Keep trusting God. Don't get shaken when things aren't going your own way. And be assured God is at work. And keep moving forward. Keep walking with that confidence. And what he said here is Jesus said, keep walking forward in a deep spirit of peace so that when the difficulties come, and some of you, you're, you're facing difficulties right now like you've never seen before, like you couldn't even imagine could even happen in your life. But... Take heart, God has already conquered the world. And back to Moses and Pharaoh. We, he keeps moving forward, and there's the plagues that come. There's the frogs and the flies. And in Exodus 8, 25, Pharaoh called in Moses and Aaron, and he said, go ahead. Okay, just go ahead, sacrifice to your God, but do it here in the country. Now listen to this. Now wouldn't that, some of us would say, that's our breakthrough. Thank God we got it. It was a little compromise, but it's okay. Well, that's God's, God's plan is never a compromise because that's how the resistance worked. So Moses said, well, that would not be wise. I mean, what we sacrifice to our God would give great offense to the Egyptians. And so if we openly sacrifice what is so deeply offensive to the Egyptians, they're going to kill us. So let us go three days journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to our God just, this is important, just as he, God, instructed us. Now here now is this resistance at work and he uses these tactics against us. And I'm going to show you very quickly these tactics of how he works against us and then the counter moves that we have to use in order to break through that resistance. So the first resistance tactic is this, stay in Egypt. Just stay where you are. Egypt is a place that represents a place of sin. And so basically what God is saying is, go ahead, you know, go ahead. Uh, actually, the, the resistance is saying, go ahead and, and do this God thing. Go ahead and do that. But I want you to do it in your current place of bondage and of sin. And the resistance wants you to engage in this thing that I call cheesy, wimpy Christianity, which is nothing. It's, it's like doing Christianish stuff where you don't really change your heart, you don't really change your way of thinking or living, basically you stay in sin. And, and Satan wants to keep you in slavery to sin. That's his job. That's what he wants for you because the enemy knows your potential. And he knows what God wants to do through you, and he doesn't want that for you, so he's going to keep you down. And I would just want to say flee cultural Christianity, where you claim to know Christ, but we live as if Christ doesn't even exist. And this is a tactic of the resistance that gets you to stay in Egypt. So the counter move is what I call our freedom strategy for this, and that is to simply live different. You choose to live different in the culture that's forcing uh, itself on you. Moses knew that, that their way of life was not compatible with the Egyptians. For example, if you get a new job, you have this brand new job. You're so happy about it. You go to work for the new company. And, uh, but the question is, do you keep showing up at the same time in the same old parking garage, uh, doing the same old tasks that you did at your old job, operating by the same values of the old company? 
No, you wouldn't do that because it's not compatible with the new life or the new company or the new step that you have in front of you. And that's the same way we have to live as well. We don't want to keep living our life of sin. So, so what we do is we move now into our freedom. We move into our destiny. We move into our purpose by simply taking the step forward because we're a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. We simply choose to live different, walking away from the sin. And so we do what God tells us to do through the scriptures, and that's the first strategy of freedom. Now, the second thing that happens is found in the story as it continues in Exodus chapter 8. So Pharaoh ends up saying, all right, all right, I'll release you to go and sacrifice to your God in the wilderness, only don't go too far. Now, pray for me. Now, he's not saying pray for me. He's saying go, go and pray and do, do it for me. This is a special favor. Go and pray to your God for me. This is another tool that's used by the resistance. And it's where the resistance simply says this, don't go too far. The enemy wants to get you comfortable with complacency. doesn't want you to go too deep. So he says, you know, the enemy says, go ahead and do the stuff. Do, do that religious stuff. Just don't leave Egypt too far behind. It's this attitude that we sometimes hear in our culture of, you know, don't get too fanatical. You know, that doesn't, you don't want to do that. Well, I just want to say that doesn't really make sense. Any of you guys, any of y'all watch NBA playoffs? Did you see the Spurs fans? They were just going nuts and crazy, yeah, and they still are, and it's already over with. And Now, why anyone would even want to be a fan of Miami, I don't know. I can't comprehend or understand, but the truth is, that whole thing, in fact, I was kind of watching a little montage in preparation for this, this message. I was going to show it, and I thought, nah, you've seen it already. But it's just the crazy fanaticism that goes along with it, and it's fun to watch. And, 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 but nobody even bats an eye at it. Why? It's just because, hey, it's wonderful to be fanatical for the Spurs. Not the Heat. That's stupid. But you see, that's, that is really how how the enemy can deceive us because, you know, like I can say, oh, yeah, sure. It makes a lot of sense to be enthralled with a 22-year-old's fleeting athletic abilities and to be more enthralled with that than the Savior who gave his life for us. Hey, here, I, I, I just have a little bit of, of experience here. When I was a kid, the hot star, I mean, he was unbelievable, off the charts cool, was O.J. Simpson. How many of you are big fans of O.J. Simpson today? You see, it didn't work, all right? And, and, he, and he was even framed when I was a child as this amazing hero to pattern your life after. Now, I'm not against sports figures. I'm not against basketball. That's not what I'm saying here. But I do want to question our desire. Sometimes we, we question our desire to be fanatical about things, but we're not, we don't want to appear to be fanatical about or passionate about the things of God, the things that really matter in the long run. So the second freedom strategy is this, is to simply be passionate. You don't have to be weird. That's, I'm not telling you to do that. But some passion and some fire and some heat, that'll do you some good. And this is a very intentional strategy to bust out of average. When I was preparing this message, I sat down and I had a nice piping hot cup of coffee. I mean, the coffee was just like burn your tongue coffee, the kind that God originally designed coffee to be like. And, 
I was enjoying this coffee, and I had this bowl of oatmeal. The steam was coming off of it, and, and I put some brown sugar on it, and I stirred it up and put some nuts on it. It was just heavenly. I was just, just the sight of it was heavenly. And I tasted, oh, this is so good, so good. Well, I started working on the message and forgot that my food was there, really. About 45 minutes later, I came back to it, and went, oh, yes, I forgot. I'm hungry. And so, so I, 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 t- I just get this huge bite of oatmeal, having no idea my, my brain has been lost and how long has gone by. I'm thinking five minutes, but it's really more of like 45. And I take this big bite of oatmeal, and it's like hard, and it's cold, and it's just like this clump of goop in my mouth. It's gross. And, and I, I swallow it, and I'm like, oh, oh. And so I grab the coffee instinctively. I'm going to get this out of my mouth, and I'm going to get something that's going to feel better, take the coffee and go to sip it, and it's lukewarm. It's horrendous, and, and, and this, this whole experience, just, just everything, everything was room temperature, and I'm just telling you guys, my breakfast was nasty that morning. What was good while it was hot was only worthy of going into the trash when it was room temperature. I'm just telling you guys this. I would much rather be considered by a few people to be a fanatic than to be considered lukewarm like a pile of oatmeal that's set out too long. I'd rather be iced coffee or I'd rather be hot coffee than room temperature coffee. So, and the thing is, I do like my coffee extra hot because, so don't mess with me by giving me lukewarm coffee. And and I just encourage you to not live that way either. See, Pharaoh says, don't go too far. That's what the resistance says. Don't get passionate about this stuff. Don't go overboard. But we understand that passion is one of those things that pushes us into our future and our destiny. Now, back into Exodus, Exodus 10, the story continues. He said, this is Pharaoh saying, I'd sooner send you off with God's blessings than let you go with your children. Look, you're up to no good. It's written all over your faces, he says. Nothing doing. Just the men are going. You go ahead, men, and worship God. That's what you want so badly. And then they were thrown out of Pharaoh's presence. So the resistance will intimidate you and try to convince you that you can't take anyone with you. But God has a desire that no one should perish. God wants us to take as many people with us as possible. So this resistance tactic number three is this. Don't involve other people in your faith. Don't involve this. The resistance simply wants you to take yourself to heaven and leave everyone else behind. Make this a personal religion, not something that that other people need to see or hear. Have you guys ever heard that in your culture lately? I hear it all the time. God's desire is not only that you should break into freedom, but your entire family and your friends and the people that you work with. And that's why we should be a witness to them. That's why around here we, we do this emphasis every once in a while. We, we, we find three people, we invest in them, and we invite them to church. And that's really this freedom strategy number three, is this is to invest in people and to invite people. It's very simple because it's not all about you. God has this desire that none should perish. So if we're really going to resist the resistance and we're going to impact lives like we're destined to, and like you know 
you're supposed to. We just have to make the choice. I'm not going to keep it to myself. It's about other people. So our city life strategy is this, is invest in people, which means invest in relationships. And when you do that, people's eyes are going to open up that you're, you're really not all that weird. And, and there's something good that's in you that you have to, to give and to convey. And, and just bless people. Encourage people. Just invest in relationships. That's what investing means. And then we simply do this other thing. We invite them to church. You, you get them into this atmosphere of worship where they can encounter the God and the life that you know firsthand. And this should be a strategy also for your own freedom, which brings other people into freedom. That gives your life purpose and substance as well. Well, the story continues in Exodus chapter 10. Because that one flopped. And so Pharaoh then called in Moses. He says, okay, Moses, go and worship God. But I want you to leave your flocks and your herds behind. But I want you to go ahead and take your children. But Moses said, again, he's not going to fall for this because that wasn't it. At this point, many of us would say, okay, you know what? I've gotten this much out of it. I'm going to go ahead and make my break. I'm going to start moving forward. Even this isn't what God originally said I should do. I'm going to go ahead and move forward with this. Well, I'm telling you, that's the danger in just going halfway. So, So Moses said, no, you're going to have to let us take our sacrificial animals and offerings with us so we can sacrifice them and worship to our God. He says, I like this. Our livestock has to go with us and not a hoof left behind. You like that? So they are part of our worship to God. So as you resist the resistance, you break through these tactics that the enemy is using against you. And this is a big one, and it's used all the time. And I call this the resistance tactic of Sunday only. This resistance wants to keep the rest of your life separate from Sundays. So you don't include your business life. You don't include your family life. You don't include the things that are out there. Your flocks and your herds in that time represented a person's business life. And and from the flocks and herds come the sacrifices. But the resistance says, well, just keep it a Sunday thing. Just kind of do your thing over here in this little corner, and then everything's going to be okay. But God says that really our entire lives should be a sacrifice to God. And when we do that, everything begins to change. And the impact of our lives then becomes huge. We begin walking into our destiny. So when we dedicate our work to God, we dedicate our finances to God, we dedicate our life to God, everything becomes different. So that's freedom strategy number four, and it's this. It's nothing left behind. No hoof left behind. And that's what I want to encourage you to do, is choose to sacrifice. The other day I was working out at the gym, and as I was in the gym, there was this trainer who was a very happy trainer, now, you know, most trainers are not really happy, but, but this one was. And, and, and he, he comes walking past me, and I was, I was exercising, and he smiled at me, and he, he said to me, he goes, he, he said, are you killing it, or is it killing you? And I just thought, well, what's he talking about? So I just responded back, and I said, it's, I, said, I said, it's killing me. And the trainer stopped, and he said, that's actually the right answer. <laughs> okay, good, good, whatever, Mr. Trainer guy. He says, because if it's not killing you, then you're just going through the motions. And he said, and who wants to live his life that way? And he walked on, and I thought, I'm going to write this one down. This one is so good. Because I don't want to live my life with just some, in some anemic fashion where, where I'm going through the motions where there's no pain and no gain. I, if, if we don't sacrifice, then, 
what we're actually doing is we're just kind of going through religious stuff and, and we're not going to progress. So I encourage you, don't settle for mediocrity. The resistance wants to keep you from surrendering any area of your life that you should surrender. So, so offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Give that sacrifice of praise. Uh, adopt this freedom strategy of nothing left behind. Everything, all of us, give it to God. Surrender it all to God. That habit, that addiction, if it doesn't please God, you're going to just simply give it up. Let it go. If you find yourself going back to something again and again and over and over and over, you're addicted. If it's a form of pleasure or that you need to give up to God, then do it. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your family. But all I have to say is take up your spiritual armor one piece at a time and begin to resist the resistance. And this is how you will have victory. We're going to sing a song right now. And as we sing this song, this song of freedom is here. I just encourage you guys to sing it with your heart. Listen to these words. Sing it out with all your heart. Would you stand with me right now? And as we sing this song, I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing over you right now. And I want you to pray this with me. I want you to mean it. I want you to pray it and mean it. And, and then we're going to sing this song. We're going to close today really with this kind of like this victory song on our mind. Just, just pray with me. God, I just give myself to you. I surrender my emotions to you. I surrender my life to you. I surrender my mind to you. And I ask you to work in me, to work through me. God, give me a spirit of victory. Give me the tenacity I desire so that I can break out of the ordinary, so I can move into the extraordinary. Help me to resist the resistance and be aware of everyone of his tactics. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.